Just give me one second. Thank sure. you. Sorry. Uh huh. Hey. Hi. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi. Good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Hey, oi. Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, th is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh... I think that's a little intense. No. no, not possible. That's crazy. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skill. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is going to go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost a, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> completely for free. No! What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh my god. Moms are the best! Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. Uh, moms are awesome. And, uh, you know, when you watch something like that, you uh, gain a greater appreciation. In my case, for my wife, who's an incredible mom, and for my own mom. 
And uh, so publicly, my mom will never see this. I love you, Bev Anderson. And I love you, Ann Bordner-Brown. Many of you have mothers, too, that you're grateful for today. In light of this being Mother's Day, and the fact that we are in a series addressing the fights of women in the battles of men, this message today probably hits at a pretty significant time for ladies. And this battle that I'm going to talk about today is probably one that you walked in with today. If you didn't walk in with it today, you'll face it tomorrow. You'll face it sometime this week. You'll face it sometime next week. And if you don't get this fight down, this battle down, it will eventually destroy you. And it's no wonder that you battle with this. And not only do you battle and fight this battle, you find yourself very tired when you try to take this battle into your own hands. So every day for most women, it's a sprint into trying to keep up because of this skewed belief system that pushes you to compare yourself to other women in your life. And somewhere along the road, it got all bent sideways, and a restless, wandering spirit began to morph out of your sinful struggle with this battle. This battle, this fight, is the fight for contentment. The fight to find contentment in your place in life. The fight to find contentment in all the seasons of life, whether it's single single again, whether it's as a mom or moving to the next season of a grandmother. This battle is a battle that women fight for their entire lives, and the enemy is well aware of it, and he comes with an all-out assault on your psyche to help you find ways to be discontent. Paul addressed this in in the Word of God in the New Testament in in a pretty significant way. Even the definition of contentment, The definition of contentment means to be satisfied and sufficient and to seek nothing more than what one already has. Grab your Bibles and we're going to go on a journey to battle this significant journey today. And turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 through 9. If you need a Bible today, please hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you from Grace Community Church. Turn to 1 Timothy in the New Testament, chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. And we're going to read what Paul had to say regarding being content and how this is a battle that the majority of women fight today. Stand with me and we'll read it together. 1 Timothy, send the link in the main and we'll read it together. 1 Timothy, chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 9. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Read. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You may have a seat. Let me just ask this question, ladies, as we're addressing women today in this battle. Next week, we'll look at the next fight for a man. Do you ever struggle with contentment? Every season of a woman's life, there is something that surfaces that causes you to want to do it in a different way, a better way, or even do it like someone else does it. 
And if you don't get this one down, if you're on the pursuit of happiness instead of righteousness, this will be an endless pursuit, a, 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 a time for you to, to literally find yourself running away from God because when you run from God in pursuit of things to make you happy, you'll never find it. It's only temporary. Christ encourages us to run after righteousness. And even Paul here says that godliness with contentment is great gain. If you don't get this one settled, ladies, it'll be an endless pursuit that'll keep you awake at night and you'll be like the hamster on the wheel, spinning and spinning and spinning. And if you don't get this down, you will spend the rest of your life comparing your life to another woman's life. It's an endless, crazy pursuit that will leave you empty. And Paul says, in fact, it'll leave a life of ruin and destruction, not only for you, but if you're married, for your family, for your husband, for your kids, and for your future. If you are pursuing anything other than Jesus Christ and you think you find contentment outside of godliness, you will end up totally frustrated, totally empty, and totally far from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said in another book that he wrote that we dare not compare ourselves to others. And paraphrasing, he says, if you do, you are foolish for doing so. Then Paul said in another book regarding this same concept in Galatians 5, 26, he says this, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Here he says, lack of contentment will plunge you into ruin and destruction. He says it's a trap. It's a snare trying to seek anything other than God. This endless pursuit of thing, this thing, this, this, this position to be like someone else, to have what they have, to have what she has so that I can feel better about myself will be an endless pursuit that will plunge you, the scripture says, to ruin and destruction. So every single time you try to seek something you will end up drowning yourselves in the sea of discontent. Whenever a ship finds itself in, in stormy waters, whenever a ship wants to stay upright, and the first thing it does, if it's a storm beyond anything they've ever faced, it throws the cargo overboard. It gets rid of anything that allows the vessel to float more carefully and, and so that it doesn't sink. And Paul is saying this, it's much like this. If you try to hold on to things, if you try to pursue things, literally, it's a snare. It's a trap. It weights you down. And if you continue to hold on to stuff in pursuit of other things, it will eventually plunge you to death and destruction, and you will go to the bottom of the ocean holding on to this. Paul says this, you don't need anything else else other than Christ and Christ alone. Otherwise, it will be the death of you. And so in this room, one of the primary struggles for ladies, the fight that you fight is this lack of contentment. And it's a trap, Paul says. And you know where it stems from? It stems from this desire that's been birthed out of this discontent. This desire to be significant, to be seen, to be known, 
so that you have something that's better than someone else. And when you see some other lady doing it better, their marriage is better, whatever it is, if you go after that, that roots begins to grow and it begins to blossom and it begins to overtake your life. And eventually that desire for more significance other than being significant in Christ will be the death and destruction of you. Let me explain for a second. You get married, and you both have agreed, you and your husband, on the direction of life as a married couple. Either work or don't work. Stay at home or don't stay at home. Working mom or non-working mom. Everything is fine. You've charted this path, and I, I think you should together arrive at that conclusion. And so you're okay. You're running down this path that the two of you have prayed about, have sought God about, and said, this is the path that we'll walk on. Everything is fine until that day you watch another mom, another lady post something on Facebook about her life and her adventures or her husband. And up to that point, you were content with the direction of your life but now you, you are having a bad day with your place in life and your significance because you've begun comparing somehow that you should have that, that you deserve that. Ladies, Paul says this, that this pursuit and comparing mode will leave you at the bottom of the ocean eventually to death and destruction of anything that you're connected with. Paul knew this would be a major struggle. So he says, you brought nothing into this world and you will take nothing out of this world. So in other words, all those things, all those other things outside of Christ that you hold on so tightly to and you try to control with all your might, making sure that you still have this, Paul says, this will be the death of you and it'll end up plunging you to death and destruction. He says this, look back at the text. He even goes so far as to say this, look at verse seven of chapter six. We brought nothing into the world, we take nothing out of it. But if we have what? Food and what? Look again, but if we have what? Food and what? We will be what with that? Isn't it interesting? We will be content with that. Isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't say house or home or car or transportation? He says, if you have food and you have clothing, you can be content in that. He doesn't say you need a home. How do you combat that, ladies? Like, how do you get to that point where when you see someone else and you see this and you think, I should be there by now. Or you look back on your past and you begin to think more about that instead of leaving that regret behind, as Pastor John talked about weeks ago, and, and, and pressing on. How do, you, how do you combat that this battle of not being content? Like, your kids aren't good enough. Your position in life isn't good enough. Your house isn't good enough. Your husband isn't good enough. It's like, how do you overcome? How do you get to a point where you finally win this battle of discontent? Well, I think it begins with recognizing who we are in Christ and recognizing what he's done. Here are some ways. Never allow yourself to complain about anything, not even the weather. You think, what, Pastor Jim, come on. 
never complain about the weather after a winter like we had, 113 inches of snow. Never complain about the weather when the mosquitoes were biting this weekend. Never complain about the weather. And here's why. You see, you have, if you don't get this down, obviously this is towards women, but men can adapt to this too. But ladies, if you don't get this down, when you begin to complain, you know what you do? You plant a seed in the soil of your heart called complaint. You plant this seed right here. And what happens is you begin to let that get roots. And that root begins to overtake. Have you ever witnessed weeds? Have you ever looked at what one dandelion can do to your yard if it goes unaddressed? Come to my house, I'll show you. But if you plant that seed of discontent, it begins to mushroom out. And it begins to change everything about your day. And it clouds your vision And you're unable to see the good of what Christ has done for you. So listen, the minute you begin to complain, you are on the path to discontent. Because I don't like this, I don't like that. And it might seem small, it might seem almost immeasurable. But if you plant that seed in your heart, it's a root of sin. Another way, ladies, never picture yourself in a different circumstance or someplace else. Like, I like what... I like what she has with her husband. And how come they get the vacation there? How come their house is like red and it's got shutters and we got like vinyl siding that's got holes in it because my kids hit it with baseballs. I mean, it just, the minute you begin to compare, how come my house is older? How come my, my, my neighbor has this? How come she drives that? How come, how come? The minute you begin to compare yourself, you are on the path of discontent. Never allow yourself to wish this or that had been otherwise. Like, I wish there's six years of my life, those first six years I didn't do that. I wish we didn't do this as a married couple. I wish I would have made this decision as a single guy. I wish I would. If you spend all your time back here, you will never get forward traction and you will be a discontent lady. Paul says, forgetting what's behind, pressing on to what's ahead. Never dwell on tomorrow. Remember, it is God's and not ours. So if there's a sense of like, I'm just dwelling down there one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, instead of living the fullest in the present. So many struggle with this. This stage of life, and we say things like, well, one day it'll get better. One day it'll be better. One day, one day. Why not make it better in Christ right now? Choose to be thankful for what you do have. Paul says here, if you have food and you have clothing, that's enough to be content. Your restlessness for more will be the death to you, ladies. It was interesting as I was having a conversation with my wife and we were discussing these issues because obviously she knows ladies. She's a woman. She's a beautiful woman inside and out. And so we're having discussions that was setting up the foundation for this message. And I asked her, I said, honey, I said, what is the issue? What are the issues that most ladies deal with? At the top of her list, she said this, Jim, discontentment. 
And she began to unpack this, and I listened to her. And I'm one of those people who daily, I watch people all the time. I take notes. I, I'm, I'm jogging down. I'm writing down about relationships. When I spend time with people, I come back, and I write down notes about men and women. And it's like I'm an observer of people. And, I, and even as I've observed, the very thing that keeps surfacing is there seems to be this discontent among women. It's like the stage of life. Like, I want to be more significant. I want more. I want more. Instead of saying, in Christ, it is enough. And by the way, ladies, it is extremely difficult to be discontent when you're actively thankful. Impossible. Like if you're planting the seed of thankfulness daily, God, thank you for another day of life. God, thank you for my salvation. God, thank you that, that you are near me. God, Thank you that you have never left me. God, thank you for a, another day to live on planet Earth. If you continue to plant the, root, the, the roots of thankfulness, it is extremely difficult to be discontent. I've even noticed this through the years. Many a single ladies end up pushing good, godly men away because of this lack of contentment. Now, there are certain situations where you know it's best. But I've observed through the years of my 52 years of life where someone comes along, there's this godly man that comes into this person's life, this woman's life. He has the full package. He's chasing after Jesus, and he's leading in a godly way. And all of a sudden, this woman, because of her lack of contentment in her life, sees someone else and wants something better than her man who in turn might have been the very man that was best for her. I see it happen over and over. If you don't get rid of the root and cut it off, you will plunge to your death of destruction, end up a greedy, jealous, envious woman. Even for moms, it's challenging because you see other moms and you, you watch what that dad does or that husband does and you see their kids and his kids and their kids and, and so you begin comparing. Just like we saw in that video that opened up this message, your job never gets done. And if you're not careful, discontentment will surface immediately. With the pressure you have to be the glue that holds the family together, to do the laundry, drive the kids around to sport practices, cook the supper, do your hair and primp up, learn how to carry a gun, meet your husband at the door after the late baby has puked over you all day long, run four miles, milk the cows, vacuum the house, and answer all the Facebook messages from your girlfriends before they think you are mad at them, make, make the doctor and dentist appointments and pull the weeds out of the flower bed, speak baby talk all morning, wash the dirty clothes from breakfast and lunch all before 8 a.m. so you can drop off the homework that your son or daughter forgot to take to school right after you gas up the van that your husband said he would do but forgot to about after watching the third round of ESPN that morning while eating the breakfast that you cooked for him. It's no wonder. By the way, men, we'll talk to you next week. Seriously. For the stay-at-home mom, which is under attack today, and the underappreciated mom, or the single mom, or for that matter, the working woman, single or married, there never seems to be an end to your to-do list. Then add up this to the whole mix. Hormones that you almost get a grasp on until menopause kicks in. 
and you get hot and not hot for your husband. And he gets hot because you're hot, but not hot in the definition of hot. Now add that to the... Is there any reason why this discontentment surfaces? You see, we need to pull away, ladies. You need to back out and say, in Christ, I am sufficient in him and him alone. And then after all that, your mother-in-law, who just happens to send you a framed portrait of Proverbs 31, with a big smiley face on the package that says, thinking of you. And at that very moment, the thought of gun control is defined in a much different way than most. (laughs) It becomes, give me a gun and I will take control. Is it any wonder that ladies are tired? And if you're not finding contentment in Jesus alone while doing all these things above, you will become an angry, jealous, controlling, slanderous, empty woman ready to plunge to the bottom of the ocean, drowning in things that you're trying to control instead of giving over and trusting in Jesus. This is when Satan comes sweeping in and telling you all the reasons you deserve this or deserve that. All the reasons your man doesn't measure up. Telling you that you need to free yourself of this jail that you find yourself in. Telling you, you better take control of you or you will end up lonely and hopeless. Have you ever seen women like this? I have. Controlling, empty, battered, weary, angry, jealous, empty. And all the while, Jesus is saying, My grace is sufficient for you. See, when you're in that condition, ladies, know this. You will find it hard to hear from God until you let go your rights and your agenda. Maybe the very thing that you need today is this, saying, God, I give over control to you. I give it back to you, God. God, I'm trying to hold the whole world together, and that's your job. (laughs) I surrender my rights, God. You see, the minute you let loose of that is the minute that you leave this this lifestyle and this, this rapid pace of discontentment. Just a little sidebar here, men, by the way. We have responsibility that sometimes we've shirked too. And so when I watch that opening video, it's like, wait a minute. We have responsibility too. We need to tell, if we're married, to tell our wives and show them how much we appreciate all that they do. We need to do our part to make sure our wives are loved, feel loved, and have love near them. I've said this over, and through the years, I see it more and more and more. You can tell when a husband is deeply caring for his wife. When I say caring, nurturing, protecting, providing, in the picture, 
covering her, her back and her front, being, being the, 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 the scouts that's on the watch, tending the field, knowing that he's being able to, to protect the yard that she lives in. You can see, when you see a woman that's married and has a husband that's doing life like he's supposed to, centered on Christ and care, she just radiates. She has a glow to her countenance. You show me a woman or wife who doesn't have a man that's doing it, I will show you haggardness. I will show you weariness. I will show you a woman who looks like the life has been sucked out of her tired, droopy eyes. Women need to know that life would not be the same without them. Men, listen to me. If you're married today, Guys, listen to me clearly. We don't do a very good job of honoring our wives and women. They need to know that you value them. That they are more than part of the team, but without them, there would be no team. Yesterday was another example of me. The Lord continues to show me ways that I could do a better job. I love my wife dearly. And I honestly believe this with all my heart. You see, I'm Pastor Jim Brown of Grace Community Church. And because of that, because of God's working, he gives me opportunity, a platform in the world in some unique ways. And I don't take that lightly. Like even yesterday, I was asked to go to my son's graduation at Grace College, which is an awesome event in my son's life. So proud of Josh. And you, many of you will be there and you've been there. And there's many reasons to be proud of your kids, college grad or not. And so they asked me to give the benediction, the, the closing prayer, the blessing over, the, over the, this graduating class that I believe is some of the best in the world. And so I, I'm seated on stage. I march in with the faculty, and I'm up front sitting. And, and every graduate comes right past me as they're greeting the, the department head, and they're turning the tassels. And I saw some of our own. I saw, I, I saw Carrie Slayball and, 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 and Kayla Salkert and, and some of our very own. And as they walked by, I just said, great job, great job. And as I'm seated there, my wife is she's, she's in the back of the auditorium. Just, she's seated with my mother-in-law and my daughter, and, and I'm thinking, you should be here. <laughs> I wouldn't be here without her. And so the dean of students looks over me and he says, hey, Jim, he says, when your son comes up, he says, you're alumnus, you're a graduate, you're, you're, you, you know, we, we want to give you an opportunity to turn the tassel on your son's cap. So they say, Joshua James Brown. And I was able to walk over and turn his tassel. And in that moment, I realized I'm not des- any more deserving of this than my wife is. And I believe this with all my heart, that, that there would be a day when we stand at the Bema seat that crowns would just be thrown at my wife's feet because of the way she got this down. Listen to me, ladies. Listen to me, husbands. We need to find ways to honor our wives so that they're not trying to grab other stuff. And they have enough in Jesus alone. And you're, you're there being her rock and strength. My wife told me this recently. She said, Jim, women want to be movers and shakers too. And be part of the team. And that it's hard to follow a leader you don't think is leading that way. She, she sits with women. 
She meets with them. She prays with them. My wife does a lot behind the scenes, as many of your wives do. She said, many men aren't leading. Men, listen to me today. Just a little sidebar. Way too many of us are sitting on the sidelines as leaders. We have settled in our walks with God. We have settled in our dreams and and we're banking on some big breakthrough that'll just happen by itself. Maybe someone will do something for us. And, and all the while, your wife needs you to see you getting after it. She longs for you not only to provide financially, but to, to lead spiritually. She longs for you to pray over her. She longs for you to be there. She longs for you to, to always be in the picture, lifting her up with your words, carrying her as a precious vase. You see, when we pour our wives into this incredible adventure, it makes them come alive too. By the way, guys, we just devalue women in, in, overall by looking at porn, by glancing at other women and lingering our looks on other women. It sucks the value out of your wife. She will feel like she doesn't measure up. Men, husbands, show your wives value. Jesus did it throughout the whole New Testament. He met them at wells. He, he healed them. He talked to them. He, he met with adulterers. And, and he, I just picture him putting his arm around him and caring for him and say, it's going to be okay. Jesus always lifted up women in public and in private. See, when it isn't done, then contentment begins to flee and control surfaces in an unhealthy way for a woman which leads to an anxiety and worry in her life. And here are the thoughts, ladies, that begin to pelt your psyche. Here, here they are. Like, when, when, when discontentment is there, and, and you're trying to seek contentment in other things, all of a sudden you realize, I can't really control it. It's like, oh, I can't do what I want. And so worries, like, what am I going to do about tomorrow? What am I going to do about my kids? What am I going to do when my husband dies and, and he's 50 and he leaves me all alone? What am I going to do? I'm not given to Social Security. I don't have a job and I don't know that I have money. What am, what, what? And so worry and anxiety sets in if you don't put your trust and faith in Christ alone. And so here are the thoughts that pelt your psyche, ladies. And they go like this. If I don't take control now and earn an income, I will not be able to fend for myself when he is gone. You see, if you believe that Christ can't care for you, what are we saying then? That I need to control. That I need to. That I need to. That I need. You see, the minute you think you're in control of your life is the minute that you will be discontent and contentment will flee. Or this thought. I am not getting recognized for all that I do behind the scenes, and I deserve more. She got, look, 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 they keep recognizing her. Or I better run a controlling environment so I get what I want because otherwise it will not do good for them or for me. Or when the kids are out of the house, he will find someone else younger and leave me. So I better do whatever it takes to set me up when that happens. You see, there's all lies from the enemy. And they're birthed out of discontent. And it shapes and forms worry and anxiety. How many women deal with worry and anxiety? The root of that is a lack of contentment in Christ alone. Or God must not love me because this life is too hard 
And that person has so much more than I have. I want what they have. That will surely make me happy and content. Paul says, don't compare. Comparisons are foolish. This kind of thinking, he says, leaves you on a path to destruction and ruin and weariness, trying to make sure you have complete control of your life and giving it all back to him is where you need to end up. Then you read Proverbs 31. It's like, how in the world can I be that woman? Like, seriously, it's like, well, I want to be like her. It's like, but when you begin to read that, it's like you read this, this woman and you begin to live in the shadow of the Proverbs 31 woman, showing us a woman who's so incredibly, amazingly busy and on top of everything, able to make anything, build anything, never sleeps, all the while her husband is pictured sitting at the sitting gate, drinking coffee and talking about Johnny Manziel in the NFL draft. It's like, that's the modern version. It's like, by the way, I've said this before, but it's worth looking at. That's King Lemuel's mother that inspired him to write that. That's the mother-in-law telling how the daughter should live. It's no wonder it's skewed. <laughs> but when you try to compare yourself, by the way, Proverbs 31 woman is a great woman of God. But listen, live the woman that Christ wants you to be not the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, there's some great qualities there and that you should be like that. But listen, you will never measure up to another woman. You don't need to measure up to another woman. You need to be you, the you that Christ intended you to be. I just want to say this. And every husband in here should say this with me. I could never do what my wife does. Could never do it. I couldn't sit where she sits and nurtures from a distance. I couldn't have this endless capacity of nurturing and this capacity to love and this capacity to care. I, I, just, I just couldn't do it. Our wives are amazing women and we need to let them know that. See, if we don't, get men... then the lack of contentment leads to the very worst version of these ladies who want to feel better about themselves. By the way, ladies, if you go down this path, you know what it produces? It produces gossip, the need to be popular, slander, competition, and jealousy. Now, those are some fruit of the Spirit, aren't they? Don't you see what it's rooted in? It's rooted in not finding contentment in Christ. And by the way, ladies, hear me, hear me. We have an opposer, an enemy, who's been watching women since the foundation of the world, since the garden. And he's a keen observer of women's weaknesses and men's weaknesses. He's a keen observer of your weaknesses. He's not going to let you off the chart if you and your family and you personally and your husband or individually as a single mom want to advance the kingdom. If you begin to chase after Jesus and he sees you as a dangerous woman for Jesus, his demons smell a woman's brokenness. Like sharks smell blood in the water and they move to take advantage of your weakened soul. So if you planted this root, listen, demons come soaring in and they will attack this root 
cause of sin. And they will ship your life out into an ocean and you will plunge to the death and ruin and destruction unless you find your contentment in Christ alone. See, here's what the enemy knows. I'm going to remind you this, ladies. You have an irreplaceable role and Satan wants to destroy it. You see, the tumble for women often begins when you compare yourselves to other women and view yourselves through her. One of the most poisonous of all Satan's whispers for you ladies is simply, things will never change unless you control it. So you know what you do? Hey, things will never change. You better put your kid here. You better send him there. You better tell your husband that. You better make this. You better earn that. And so you start grabbing. You start grabbing all these things that you think will make you content. All these things of the world. And so you hold on to these things. And Paul says, if you hold on to these, instead of the contentment with godliness to Christ, you know where you'll end up? At the bottom of the ocean. Ruin and destruction. See, that lie kills expectation, trapping your heart forever in the present and begins to wreak havoc on your marriage and on your singleness. By the way, in case you didn't know this, I personally believe this. There's no greater place for damage than the marriage because there's no greater place for glory than when two become one united in Christ. Satan hates it. Why do you think the marriage is, such under, is under such attack? It's because there's so much potential for the glory of God to be exalted where two people can actually live together in harmony and unity. That can't happen by itself. So the marriage is under attack. Yes, I believe this is an area in a woman's life discontentment that could be the death to her, the death to her marriage, the death to her future, the death to other lady relationships. So let me ask you this, ladies. What are you holding on to? Who are you comparing your life to? Is food and clothes enough in Jesus Christ? Or do you want that, if I had that happiness, if I had more of those, if he was like, if my kids were offered, if I didn't have to, I wish that I, what are those things that you're holding and chasing and controlling so that you get what you want? There's only one way to find contentment. It's called releasing it, everything to God. It's saying this, ladies, I surrender all. That's, that's everything. That's, that's your future. That's your present. That's, that's your children if you're married. That's, that's, that's your marriage. That's, that's your, your occupation. That's your career. That's everything. It's saying, God, I'm releasing it all to you, God. Surrender all. See, in this room are ladies, and in the link are ladies that you have a choice to make. 
Will I spend the rest of my life in worry and anxiety and control and slander and jealousy and comparison? Or will I just release complete control and surrender to God? Would you pray with me? Would you stand as I pray in the link in the main? Please, please don't leave the room. Lord, in this room and in the link are ladies who are longing to find completeness in you and you alone. In this room and the link are, are women who need to surrender. Some need to strip themselves of some pride. Some are control freaks. Some are scared to death about the future. Some lay awake at night, rolling in their beds, wandering and full of anxiety and anxiousness. Some just need to go back to step one and say, God, here I am on Mother's Day. I surrender. I'm tired of carrying this weight. It's left me empty, weary, hopeless. It's pushed away relationships and people. I can't function right. So ladies, today could be a a fresh start. You could look back on this calendar and say, you remember Mother's Day 2014? Remember, that was the day that I truly just said, God, I'm surrendering everything again. It's like, I'm starting over, God. I'm just, I'm dropping everything. I'm not dependent on my husband. I'm not dependent on my kids. I'm not dependent on my job. I'm not dependent on my singleness. I'm not dependent on my house. I'm not dependent on my retirement plan. I'm not dependent on this life insurance. I'm not dependent on, I'm dependent on you, Jesus, and you alone. Because you tell us that you supply all our needs in Christ Jesus. So ladies, I'm going to ask you to do something pretty bold. I'm going to ask you to to work your way to the front and the link and the main as we sing this last song. And I'm actually just kneel, and I'm just going to ask you to surrender it. Like, we don't care what you're surrendering. I'm going to ask you to open your hands and release control to God and say, God, here I am again. I want contentment in you and you alone. Nothing more, nothing less. I come with a heart of humbleness. You tell us that if we're humble, you lift us up. God, lift me up. This is between me and you, God. I don't care what my husband thinks. I don't care what my brother thinks. I don't care what my sister thinks. I don't care what, what my friend thinks. Here I am, God. This is me and you. I surrender all. That's what God is asking you to do. There's no greater thing to do than to surrender. So I ask you to come as we sing this last song. Just kneel at the front and the main and the link. Listen, don't sit there if the Spirit of God is saying surrender. Surrender means move, means give over. God, I pray that you'll move in this moment. And may you get full residence in our ladies' lives in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen.